0: Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. I'm Jackie Simmons, the host of the show, and I am so excited that you are here. Here's why. Our next segment is with one of my favorite people. Now, this is where we take you into a journey into a galaxy far, far away, and as soon as Steve starts speaking, you will know which galaxy we went to. (laughs) Steve is the midlife solopreneur guru. He's the one who helps all of us in the entrepreneurial space know that we're not alone. So we're gonna talk about what that looks like. And what I don't know is, aha, there we go. I do believe that Steve will be able to join us now. So Steve, there you are. Hey, look at you in your purple. How are you?
1: I am good, Jackie, how are you?
0: I am delighted to be here. Absolutely delighted. Ah, So, all right, we've got to do a disclaimer because the two of us just spent three days doing laser coaching sessions for one of our friends at his three-day event. And so we've been popping in and out, but you know, over three days, I don't think we've exchanged three words.
1: Yeah that's probably right. <laughs> it's always difficult when there's so many people on the different calls and they're going from here to there all the time. So, yes.
0: <laughs> so, take us on the journey into your world, but first tell us where your world is and and give a little bit of background because then we're going to talk into the loneliness of entrepreneurialism and what's really happening.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, Yes, my name is Steve Erickson, and I'm actually from Norway and I'm coming to you from Norway right now. So here it is at 6 p.m. Um, and uh, it's the more or less the start of my working day because my world is is my personal world is in Norway but my business world is all in the US and Canada and North America really. So <laughs> it's like I a you, <laughs> Yes, the the, the uh, I, I have to say that uh, the. Um, I mean, there are a lot of downsides with, with COVID, but the the one upside to it is really that there are so many events that are virtual now that I've been able to participate in so many more things than, I, than I've ever been able to participate before. So that for me is a blessing. Totally.
0: Cool. Yeah, it does. It did broaden my ability to, you know, it's almost like it can be two places at once.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh. and, and, and also i would say that there, there's another great benefit to the virtual world and that is that i'm i'm a very strongly an introvert mm-hmm. so when i go to events and i have to be with people and there is absolutely no way of getting away from people to recharge my batteries you know you're going for lunch and there's like hundreds and there's thousands of people around you still at lunchtime and you're trying to like i just need to like regain my balance and chill out and relax here i go and sit in my living room you know and I chill out and then I come back to the event and I'm full go when I'm at the event. Uh, but that for me is also a benefit.
0: Well, yeah, okay, so so we might end up in that conversation a little bit about this whole introvert extrovert con. I think there's a little controversy about what those words even mean. Yeah. So we'll we'll play with all of those. Steve, how did you end up with this idea that? loneliness was an issue The feeling alone was the challenge you know where did you get this because as an introvert i would it's like yeah leave me alone yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> well here's, here's the thing um just touching briefly on the introvert and extrovert the way i define it as an introvert is that it's not a problem necessarily being amongst people but you need to be able to recharge on your own you don't recharge when you're with other people um, extroverts tend to go, I am feeling so like drained because I'm I, on my own. I need to go and find people so I can charge, you know, this, that's the two opposites in a way. Um, but uh, the, uh, what we're talking about there, Jackie, is that as a solopreneur, you know, the, the, the concept of being a solopreneur is that you don't have any employees. You are in the business working in your own business and you are essentially the business. Um, But what people are thinking is that uh, a solopreneur means that you're on your own. And that's what I want to dispel because you can't be in business and try to do everything yourself. If you're trying to do everything yourself, you are going to be totally overwhelmed and you will never get anywhere. What I am doing and what I'm helping people to do is to build up that support network around them, you know, because without that support, you can't do it. And I'm totally hooked. Okay. So I got hooked when you said you can't that yeah. you
0: can't do it all yourself. And I'm like, don't tell me I can't because then I go off and run and I'm gonna prove that I can. And you're <laughs> right, I run smack into a wall. Yeah, because there's not enough hours in the day to build a, a thriving business. Now, thriving meaning growing. As a solo practitioner, I absolutely could do it all on my own if you don't count the fact that I needed clients, they kind of are other people, you know, usually. Um, But, you know, other than them, I could Mm. pretty much handle everything. But when it came to growing a program, growing out my ability to go from working one to one to one to many, then you're adding a layer of complexity. And it would be like me trying to run the summit without having Katie in the background. Yeah, I could do it, but the quality of my ability to focus might drop just a tad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that uh, you're saying you could do it all on your own. And yes, you could. There are a lot of people who could do everything uh, on their own. But the question is, how well can you do everything? Mm -hmm. Have you got time to do everything well? So to give an example, one of the things I do is I handle tech for people. And a lot of the people I speak to and I handle tech for actually have no idea what to do with the tech. And they are stuck and stifled and they can't get to the next level in their business. They can't serve more than like one or two or three clients at one go because they can't handle the tech well enough to be able to do more. So so that's one of the challenges. And tech is just one thing. There are many different things. Um, Social media, have you got time to do all of your tech and to do all of your social media and do all of the outreach you need to do to get new clients and service your clients at the same time? You know there is not enough hours in the day and that's why you have to have other people helping you as well the, this the difference really with the, when you're a solopreneur is that you don't hire them they don't work for you yeah. they work with you they often have their own businesses
0: cool all right so i'm going to have people go to the chat because you've got a chance here to have a conversation on what are the biggest challenges that you're facing as an entrepreneur if you are one or if that you notice other people are um, that you notice other people are struggling and because we all know an entrepreneur in this day and age so Steve you are kind of um, an enigma because you're new in the entrepreneurial space yourself talk a little bit about that journey you know because this is a really fascinating story for me anyway I mean I know that my journey into being an entrepreneur was, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. You know, it wasn't my intention to ever own my own business or do anything on my own, but life handed me a situation that I needed to figure out how to make an income and be home. So your journey is very different. Take us it, into the um, world according to Steve.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, uh, I, I had a desire I've had the desire to be really in as a small business or a solopreneur since I was around like 15, 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually stems from my upbringing. My dad had a small store in the local community, and it was a very small community of like 500 people. And uh, he had a gas pump outside of his store, and everybody in the local community would go and fill gas. And then one day, the gas company decided to shut down all of these small independent gas pumps. And people had to go to a gas station instead. But this was such a small community that the nearest gas station was around 15 minutes drive away. Wow. And right next to that gas station was a supermarket. So everybody in the local community now were forced to go to this gas station to fill gas. And they did all of the weekly shopping. They had better selection and better prices than what my dad could do in a small community of like 500 people. So it didn't take long for him to be bankrupt. And unfortunately, back then, you had to stay, this was in Norway in the early 70s, you had to stay bankrupt for like 10 years. So I grew up from being around seven, eight years old till I was around 17 with knowing that my father was in bankruptcy. He couldn't earn too much money because when he did, they would take 95% of it and use it to pay debts. So that was the the mental attitude he has back then, had back then. and. I then was like always like big business, bad, small business, good kind of thing. And I wanted to be in small business. And, but I knew that my father had failed and I didn't want to go through the same journey. So I did an MBA, a a two-year MBA where I was learning everything about business and like coming out young and cocky saying, yes, I can do this. And uh, I also got offered a a job in a a big um, Japanese corporation in in London, in, in, in England and I stayed there for a year and a half while I was planning what my business was going to, uh, to be. And uh, then I set up a company and it was all about the internet, getting on the internet, dialogue modems back then in, um, in 1996 this was, and I had that company for a couple of years. Um, I actually discovered what hard work it was to be uh, in business on your own. I had seven staff working for me and all of the things that you never learned at, in the business school, about how do you actually manage staff and how do you motivate them and and everything. And then I sold the business, but here's the challenge. I sold it for five figures and other people sold their business for six and seven figures, 10 to hundred times as much as I sold for. And I had to go back to myself and say like, I didn't fail in business, but I failed to succeed. Right. And that's a big distinction really, because I was very dissatisfied with the result that I got. I knew I could have done better, but I didn't have the knowledge. Now you discovered really that an MBA taught me to be a good corporate employee. It didn't teach me how to be an entrepreneur, (laughs) you know?
0: So yeah, people go to college to learn how to do business and they do learn how to do business the corporate way because that's the education system that we have. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: All right, so where did you learn entrepreneurial skills?
1: Well, I started in, in around year 2000 to really dis- study, like, why did I fail to succeed? What should I have done? What is effective marketing? And um, what is sales psychology? How do you actually have sessions with people that convert them? How do you reach people in, in words on paper when you are putting things in print and ads and everything like that? And I had then a journey where I went a little bit between working for other people and then working for myself. And... Um, back in 2004 to 2007, I ran a a local directory. And the directory just had local shops, local advertisers. And I distributed that to around 9,000 households every single month. But what I did was I literally wrote hundreds of ads. You know, When I went to the local dry cleaner, the local shoe shop and everything, I didn't want their ad that they had put in the paper. I wanted much more interesting ads. So I wrote the ads for them. I created them and designed them. And some of the ads we created were amazingly successful. And, um, you know, they, they performed so much better than what the advertiser had seen in any other media than they used. So I started really getting a handle on what was effective marketing. And uh, then I went to work for other people again. I worked in lead generation for quite a while and worked on websites and, and, and different things. And then the, the last six years, I have worked with a company in the US in California which is why this is my start of day, really, (laughs) my evening time and relaxing time. And there I've been in charge of all the technical implementation for landing pages, for all of the launches and all the promotions and handling their affiliates and all of this. I've seen really on the inside what the big company does. Well, it's not that big company, but they have eight-figure turnover. Um, And I had seven staff working for me in that department as well. So, you know, I've really got to understand on the inside how all of this works.
0: All right. So some of the words are coming through it. I'm going eight-figure turnover. Is that what you said?
1: Yes. Eight-figure re- revenues.
0: Revenues. Okay. I was
1: going to say. Turnover sorry, is the UK work. version.
0: Whoa. That's a lot of people going through. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: yeah, no. That's okay. a UKism.
0: <laughs> oh, the uk There we go. Yes. All right. Turn, I like Turnover
1: in I'm... the UK, revenue in, in the US. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right. So working with eight figure revenue companies gives you a very different perspective because you have so much data to work with. Yeah. And so I love the fact that you took all of what you've learned along the way, writing ads for a directory, and then applying that into this more digital global world that we're mm-hmm. in now. But, you know, hey, you were on the high side of everything working for this company that had eight-figure turnover. Oh, yeah. What, what, what happened? I mean, you did a major pivot right about the time I met you.
1: Yeah, you did, yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I quit my job in the middle of COVID uh, to, uh, to go and do this. So, here's what happened. My, uh, my father passed away in December. He had Alzheimer's for several years. And when when he passed, it was a time of reflection for me, you know, reflection on his life, reflection on my life, what he had achieved and not achieved, what I had achieved and not achieved. And I was like, yeah, I really have this desire still to be in business for myself and not work for other people. And at the same time, I started meeting people who were solopreneurs themselves, and they were struggling. They were struggling with the marketing. They were struggling with getting clients. And... I was seeing that they were being sold into expensive programs. Like one lady I met, she, she went on a cruise all to do with internet marketing and came back with some fabulous contacts uh, that she could work with for, for her product. And that cost her somewhere between five and $10,000 for this, uh, this cruise. And she also bought into a program that was going to help her do a launch of her product. And um, that cost around fifteen dollars to $25,000 or something. You know what the challenge was? she didn't have a product to launch. She didn't have a product to sell. She didn't have anything that their partners could promote. And she literally said to us that it was to my wife and I, who were talking to her because my wife is also involved in helping people. And she said, I cannot afford to work with you because I literally have no money left. And three months later,
0: she didn't have any way to generate revenue.
1: She had no way to generate revenue. She had made all of these investments, all of these commitments, signed the paperwork to paying like, well, she just shelled out a lot of her savings and then she had monthly payments. And she said, I literally cannot afford to do anything. Credit is maxed everything. Three months later, we spoke to her. She still didn't have a product. She still hadn't used any of the contacts that she's gotten. That made me mad. Now, here's the thing at the same time, I went into what they call strategy sessions. People who said, We're going to help you, like, figure out what your business is. Because I'm going.
0: You got you to slow this down a little bit because the language slurred up. You went into what kind of sessions?
1: Strategy sessions.
0: Oh, okay. Got it. Yes. You...
1: I'll, I'll explain what that is in a second. Okay. So I was basically saying to myself, I want to be in business for myself, but I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I mean, I have a lot of different skills that I have amassed through this period of time. And I was really struggling to try to find what is my niche, what is, what is my passion? So I went into a strategy session with some people, some companies who said, we're going to help you sort this out. We're going to help you figure this out. So come and have a call with us and we will outline what you should be doing. And I went into the call. And the call was first of all, finding out what are my challenges? What are my problems? What would happen if I didn't make this a success? You know, they found all the pain points that I had. And then I'm going, okay, ready, tell me what I need to do. And they go, sign up for my $10,000 program. Okay, okay, but right, okay, I understand you want me to go on your program, but like, what do I need to do in terms of finding out? This is the strategy session. And they go, no, 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 what you need to do is to join the program. Okay. You know, what if you don't do the program? Because we're going to deliver all of that. And I'm going, you said you were going to deliver this in this session. And you're not. You're just telling me to go and do the program. And,
0: okay. Yeah. So I've had similar experiences. And it's one of the challenges in an industry where the, sometimes words don't mean what we think they mean. Yeah. And so it is about full disclosure when we go into a phone call and knowing what the agenda is for the people, that, for everybody involved in the call. Strategy session, discovery session. Um, you know, th- there's, There are so many of them that are cover language for a sales call. Yeah. And if you know the rules of the game, then you're not blindsided by that. But if you don't know the rules of the game, then it's hard to tell whether somebody is helping me or somebody is actually just taking advantage of my pain. And that was a really rough road for me as an entrepreneur to figure that out and a very expensive lesson, Mm -hmm. um, both in terms of time and talent, not just treasure. None of it was wasted now because it made me who I am and it makes me run my business the way I do, the same way it does for you. And that's why we're having this conversation. So you do something that very, very few people do, Steve, in the way that you do it. And that is you just simply show up with an open heart and a how can I help you attitude that comes from this really just safe space. And that's the real challenge of being an entrepreneur today. It doesn't feel safe and it can feel pretty lonely. So finding communities is really important. And that's what we're doing, you know, as you know, that's what we're doing with the whole suicide prevention movement is creating a community where it's safe to be able to explore topics that we wouldn't necessarily have talked about a few years ago. When it comes to entrepreneurs, what's the one topic they don't want to talk about, Steve?
1: Oh, the one topic they don't want to talk about. Often I find is that they, they don't want to lay the soul bare and how, how lonely they, do, uh, they are, how unsupported they're feeling. Often they are struggling with family members, not believing in their business. Um, you know, There's a whole raft of things there. And one of the things that I really tell people is that you, you cannot be alone in this business. If you're trying to go it alone, you will not be. Well, you won't reach your potential Let's, let's just say that. There we go. I
0: like that way of phrasing it. That if you are trying to be everything to everybody in your business and you're trying to go at alone, it's going to restrict your ability to be effective. Yeah. Cool. I like that attitude. That's really cool. Um, because the whole point in being in business is to make a difference you know it's to solve a problem that's what businesses do and so i'm you're know, like the expert on self sabotage this sounds like a really good description trying to do everything yourself so the challenge with outsourcing is and this is this is my personal pet peeve with outsourcing i don't know how to get what's in my brain into a format and a frame that somebody else could actually do it for me. I know how to do it, but I don't know how to communicate what, you know, what the pieces are to do it. Is there some simple system that somebody could use to try to break things down? Because solopreneurs, we just do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's, uh, first of all, I'm, I want to take a, one little step back and talk about the 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 concept of what I call the $10 work, the $100 work, and the $1,000 work. And I think this is quite an important concept to have in your own mind. Now, $1,000 work, actually, I'll start with the $10 work. First of all, the, the amounts are not important here. It could cost you $10, it could cost you $50. But the $10 work is the things that you have to do in the business, but it's not you that have to be doing them. They just have to be done you know, gathering the receipts, sending them to an accountant, right? Does it have to be you who are actually going, okay, here is all the receipts, laying them out in order, explaining what it all is and sending it to the accountant. If you are having a social media post that you want to get out, does it have to be you who's actually typing it up, putting it into Instagram, putting it into Facebook? Does it have to be you? No. Because the action of getting it done is something that can be outsourced. Um, The $100 work is when you're having a client. Now, again, do you charge a client $50 or $250? It doesn't matter. But the client work that you're actually doing for clients where it has to be your input, that's what I call the $100 work. You're getting effectively paid per hour that you work. Then you have the $1,000 work. The $1,000 work could actually be worth a lot more the, this is where you're thinking strategically about your business. This is where you are creating content that you will be selling over and over again. So for instance, if you're creating a course Mm -hmm. and you're using the same course for a lot of people coming into your business, you're starting to sell it as a self-study course, then Ah. that's the thousand dollar work. Okay? Okay. Right. So first of all, you need to focus on what is all of the $10 work that you are currently doing. Right. Secondly, you got to figure out. List. <laughs> oh,
0: like that. My brain went to making that list. That's yeah. a long list.
1: <laughs> it's a long list, absolutely. Now, here's the thing: what, what we often get caught up uh, into as human beings is that we're working hard in our business. We're doing everything we need to do to it, and we're trying to become successful. And we're saying to ourselves, "All of these things have to be done." And I'm busy doing it. So I'm working on a business, and I'm going like satisfying myself that I'm actually doing my business and I'm trying hard. Here's the thing. When you're trying hard, doing all of the things that are not effective to drive your business forward, they just have to be done. Then you're doing what I call busy work. You're happy that you're getting things done, but they're not actually important. What is important is the thousand dollar work. And when you have clients, the hundred dollar work, this $10 work, is not important. So for instance, when I tell um, I mean, I handle tech for people, as I said. So when I talk to people, one of the things I tell them is like, would you rather struggle for 10 hours trying to implement something in technology? Or would you rather coach a client or work on your business to bring in high paying clients? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and these, the people I speak to, they're tearing their hair out about the technology that don't want to do it. And so my question is, so why are you trying to do it? you know, this is the kind of thing you need to outsource. You need to have other people do it for you. Because at the end of the day, if you are a a very heart-filled coach where very soul oriented and you love having those one-on-one conversations with clients and you're trying, instead of having those conversations with a client, dealing with a tech system that is just not doing what you think it's supposed to be doing, Mm. you know, what's filling you with happiness? What is making you satisfied?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point because the challenge that many entrepreneurs are faced today is that we're so on media, we're so in the public eye that the perspective the you know, is like, yeah, everything's great and it's wonderful. And then you're not getting any sleep at night because you're up doing your tech. And so while the aspects of your business that are really the ones only you can do, which are doing the one-on-one work with your clients, creating the courses, you know, delivering them, that you can't delegate that. You know, the, the creative process is the creative process. But the other side of the coin is that it requires a lot more tech than it used to, to run a business. I, I, I put together my first service was running a directory for family daycare providers, matching them up. You know, the people who had openings with the families who needed care. And I did it on index cards. You know, I, it was simple. It, it was two seconds, you know, on the index cards and a telephone. I could run my entire business with a stack of index cards and a pen or a pencil and a telephone. That was all that was needed. Now, let's see, there's a camera. What have I got involved today? I'm looking around, let's see, I've got cameras, I've got microphones, I've got lighting, I've got screens. And that's just to get started. You know. Then there's all of the, you know, index cards don't cut it anymore because I can't send emails with an index card. You know, so now there's a database and then there's, so it's, it's kind of gotten very complex and it's, it's an opinion. I know it's a perspective, because for your brain, you love tech. So it's not complicated at all for you. <laughs> but
1: there, there are other things that are complicated for me, or at least takes me a long time. So, so here's an example. Okay. And uh, you were asking a question like uh, before about how do you figure all of this out, what you can outsource. So first of all, you know, figure out what is it that is taking you longer than it should. And even if it doesn't take you longer than it should, how much time are you spending on it? Or are there things that you want to do, you just, you just don't, don't, do not have the time for? Now, when you have identified that, you've got to ask yourself who can do it. Okay. Is there a service pause, provider? Pause.
0: We're going to get some examples in here. All right. Yes. So Social media can, for me. Three different areas that, to, that we could be asking ourselves questions. And let's give some examples and make this easy. Yeah. All right, so, um, so what's gonna- taking more time than it should? And, and should is, you know, you know me, I'm going, you don't take me, to should, Bill. All right, so what's taking more time than it should assumes that I know how long something should take. So without that knowledge, I can't answer that question, but you asked it another way and you said, what's taking time that you know, doesn't feel good? is sort yes. of the imp- the impression i got of what you said
1: yes what so me- time
0: that doesn't feel that okay give it
1: an example yeah. so f- for me you know i should be doing more on social media than i'm currently doing i do not have time to do the social media to the extent that i am trying to get other people to do it right so what i do is going do i focus on the social media and let go of the things that I'm currently doing, or do I get somebody to help me with social media? When I am trying to do social media, I am struggling. I can sit for 20 minutes trying to find the right graphic, trying to find the right wording. So when I'm saying, does it take longer than it should? If you're sitting and scratching your head and trying to work out how to do this, then it's taking you longer than it should. Got it, right? That's one way of looking at it for sure. So next thing is, you have to ask yourself, do I have the skills to manage somebody directly to do the job? So what, let me give you an example of that. I could go and hire an outsourced person, a virtual assistant to do my social media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I hire that person, I have to tell them what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I have to record training videos for them. All of that takes me time. Now all I've done is really, well to some extent, moved my time from trying to do the social media to try to find the time to do the recording and tell them how to do it. And I don't know how to do it properly in the first place. right.
0: That explains my challenge with delegating. In a nutshell, that is perfect. (laughs)
1: So then you have the the, uh, approach that I like to take. Instead of going out myself and hiring a VA, I go out and find a person who has hired VAs to do it. And their role is to manage the VAs. So when I speak to them, they go, right, what do you want to do? And I go, I want social media. And they go, okay, I understand. Okay, so what we do We're going to go and find all of these groups where we want to contribute. Here's what we're doing on LinkedIn. And here's the topics we're going to cover. And here's how we're going to do it. And here's the plan. And I go, yep, that sounds good. Let's execute that. And then they report back to me and telling me what they have achieved. And I see the results. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different um, way of looking at it from going, I need to hire that VA. Because when you're hiring a VA, what's going to happen is, after a few months, after a year or two, they're going to change, you know, they're going to drop out and you have to find another one and you have to go through the hiring process. You have to go through the teaching all over again. And why solo,
0: this is exactly why solopreneurs try to do it all themselves, because that process sounds so painful.
1: <laughs> it is. It is really painful. So, you know, when I go out and, and, uh, and speak to people about tech, and I'm going to give you some other, other examples, because I'm not really here to sell my tech services as such. Yeah. It's just a good example. You know, what I say to people is, so when I'm doing your tech, consider it done. You know, your headaches are going to go away, because I'm going to manage that. You just tell me what you want to achieve, and I'll execute it. You don't have to know the details. So when I went out to look for somebody to do my social media, I was not interested in hiring a VA, I was looking for the person who would manage the VAs for me, who would understand what I am doing. When you want to do a virtual event, you're better off going to a person who goes, I got the virtual events company, I know exactly what needs to be done, you just tell me what you need to achieve. Don't go out and try to hire somebody who can do the management of Zoom and the muting and unmuting, and then try to go out and hire somebody who can do the sound for you. And then go, you know, because you get, stuck into all of the hiring. Now, here's the thing. You are going to pay a premium, but I promise you the premium is worth it.
0: You know, it's an interesting thing because as you know, I hosted three day event and for years it has been in person and then it was online, but it was small, a very boutique kind of event. So now it's getting bigger and the needs of the people showing up are more in focus for me so i'm very focused when i'm working with people and so for my next one coming up i'm actually having a whole team handle all of the tech all of the things that are going on in the background and it's an investment that is not an expense it's an investment because it's going to allow me to perform at a better level and that's what people are coming for you know, they're they're not coming for a distracted present, presentation. They're coming for a focused, somebody who's totally present when they're presenting. And so this ability to, to strate- we're gonna talk about this. This is the, the challenge for, I think, in the entrepreneurial world and the solopreneur world is that many of us, like I said, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I got thrust into this without a strategy without even a clear plan. It was, you know, what problem can I solve in the world with the skills that I already have? And then it, now it is, you know, what's coming and trying to get ahead of the needs, but it didn't start out that way. So when you're in reactive mode to what's going on in the marketplace, what problem can you solve? Where can you help? Where can you put a business plan in place? And it's not even a plan, it's just a thing. You know, let me just go do Shifting from that into having a strategy. For many entrepreneurs, the first thing that they need is probably the last thing that they develop, which is, what am I going to sell?
1: Yeah. Here's the interesting thing when I speak to people, and I speak to a lot of people who are new in the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, very, very few that I speak to have any kind of business education. You know. Um, I keep saying my MBA uh, taught me to be a good corporate employee and not a good uh, solopreneur. However, it taught me a lot about business. You know, it taught me about... How, how does it work? How, does, how do you look at projects? How do you plan things? How do you look at the financial aspects of it? And how do you manage all of these things that you need to do in a business? That I, I had spent two years learning that. And the, the biggest and most important concept that you have to know is the difference between a strategy and a tactic. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and a lot of people that I speak to actually have no idea what the difference is.
0: All right, we're going to assume that if a lot of people don't know, there might be someone listening to this call who doesn't know. So that way I don't have to admit that maybe I'm not so sure. Let's just go there. What, if, <laughs> what is the difference between a tactic and a strategy?
1: Right. So a, a strategy is about how, what your plan is, the overall broad things that you are going to do. So for instance, a strategy would be that I'm going to have what we call a lead magnet. So I'm going to drive traffic to a web page. They come to the web page and they go and go, Oh, that looks like interesting information I'm interested in. And then they will give me their email address and I send them out the information. So the strategy is to use a lead magnet. The okay. strategy then, when they signed up for the lead magnet, is that I communicate with them through email and get them into a strategy session. And when they're in the strategy session, I'm going to convert them into going to my course or as a high ticket client. So that's my strategy. Now the tactic is how am I executing that? You know, When they come to the, uh, the page where I'm saying, give me your email address because you're gonna get this information. What are the words I'm using? What is it actually I'm going to give them? What information do I want to give to them? When they come into the strategy session, how am I going to speak to them? Am I going to say to them, hi, welcome for this. I'm going to do this, this, this with you, or are I going to just go straight in and say, hey, tell me about you. you mm. know, two opposite approaches. That's a tactic. Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. When you sit down and think, what is my strategy? You're laying out the plan for your business. What are you going to do? When you're coming at it, looking only at tactics, you will be going, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And you don't look at, does it serve you? Does it serve your business? Is it part of the path to actually getting clients? You know? You we go. Yeah. That, that,
0: that's the path that every entrepreneur could keep their feet a little more firmly on. How do I help more people? Yeah. How do I serve more clients? How do I generate revenue? They are three different ways of saying the exact same thing. How do I succeed in business? Hmm. So keeping our feet firmly on that path of how do we serve and you know, it's one thing, um, there's a lot of people who are developing massive amounts of content and that is one way of serving. But if they don't have a strategy, for what to do with these people who are consuming their content you know how they're going to walk a journey with them how they're going to actually carry the journey from i like what you have to say to i like it enough that i want to pay you so i get more of your attention you yeah. know that's there's a strategy there that you're right. Very few business uh, courses get attached to skills training, and so the tactic is like the skill.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's one thing to be really really good at a methodology, and another to be able to use that in service to other people because they have to know about it. They have to you know be invited into it, and so see take us a little further down the journey as far as where else they need to be focusing, because you've got the two ends of the spectrum. One is how do I invite people in, which is what you were just talking about with the lead magnet. And the other is what do I sell them? Once they, once they know about me, what am I, what are they going to buy?
1: Yes, absolutely. So that's part of your strategy is what are they going to buy and how do you find out what they're going to buy and how do you plan that? So you have to have in in your mind how all of these pieces fit together. (laughs) You know, there's no point in making a lead magnet that doesn't support getting the sale. My, my phrase is that the purpose of a lead magnet is to get you one step uh, closer to a paying client.
0: And and the only reason I'm laughing is because I have um, created under the guidance of different mentors at different times. I've created several different lead magnets for my business. And of course, now I'm not using any of those because everything has come into service of the mission. And so it's, it's all over here. And I'm going, oh, yeah. They, 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 they never connected to anything. People could come in, but there was no way for me to take them somewhere because I didn't know where I was taking them for a lot of my business life.
1: So, so the challenge is that they focused on the strategy. Sorry, they focused, I'm saying the completely wrong thing. They focused on the tactic. They didn't focus on the strategy. What you have to look at is if I have a lead magnet, what is it in service of? What is the purpose of it? Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be purposeful in everything you do. If that lead magnet doesn't put them in the right frame of mind they're capturing the right type of people who you want to have in your strategy session, mm-hmm. then it doesn't serve a purpose. It just generates traffic and what I call noise on your list. You know, noise on your list, the people who are not interested and they might report you for spamming them because you're sending out emails they're not interested in, you know, and you have to pay for it as well. The... One of the things I do is I teach a class on systems and automation, right? And you go, oh, no, I can't do systems and automation because it's too techy for me. And this is a class where there is no tech, you know? When you get to the tech part, you are then completely and utterly on the the tactic side of things, how you're going to execute it. Systems and automation could be that you have a pen and you have three by five index cards (laughs) and you're saying here is how i'm matching them and then when i have actually matched them i pick up my phone and i make a call that is a system it is something that can be automated you can actually pay a va to do that job because that job in was no brain power you have exactly the parameters of how that works Ah, automation now the question is could you use tech to automate it but that's a different conversation Got it,
0: all right, so when you're talking about systems, um, and you, you said systems something, and I was I got hooked by the three by five index cards that took me back to my past. So, um, systems and- Automation. And so, the automation is the far end, and it's not the important end for this conversation. It's the system that's the important.
1: The, the system and the automation, because the automation could be to give it to, to a VA. So how do I automate my social oh, media?
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, in your case, you're using automation to mean somebody else does it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Automation is about it being done on its own without your involvement.
0: And, and for you... me, automation means tech. So but, but that's why that's like the language thing. Because, all right. So if it's done automatically, meaning not I'm automatic. not the one doing it. That's automation. Okay. So for purposes of this conversation, now at least I'm back on the track with you. Okay. The journey of being a solopreneur, feeling terribly alone, totally overwhelmed and isolated in a world that says you have to put a perfect face out. You have to project a persona, a a professionalism, and that you can never let them see you sweat, to quote an old commercial. It's killing us, Steve. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely killing us. And one of the reasons I said, yes, please come, Let let me interview you on the show, is because one of the demographics with the fastest rise in suicide rates is entrepreneurs. And I think it is because we have this disconnect between what's real about being an entrepreneur, where you have to be able to ask for help, not try to do it all on your own, understand that what a system and an automation is, all of the things that they didn't teach me when they taught me my very tactical skills of how to help people, how to actually do my thing. You know, not being able to, you know, have a safe, community to explore those kinds of conversations and to say, you know, I don't know what to do next. Um, This is where entrepreneurs need to shift and need to come into a sense of community and come away from perfectionism and into a place where you're just, you are where you are. And now who can help me? Who's doing it a little better, a little faster? What are they doing that I'm not? And who can I talk to? So you've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. Since you went on your introspection at the end of last year and beginning of this year, you've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. I I see you everywhere. You know, you're like the networking junkie like I was and still am. Um, What is the three, what are the three things that, you could say to an entrepreneur that would handle their most well what are the frequently asked questions there we go i knew i'd figure it out what are the frequently asked questions what are the three things people want to know the most and then we'll go into what are the three things that help them the most because i know that there's a disconnect there at least there was for me
1: yeah so First of all, I would say that um, my, my answer to that is going to reflect on, or oh, is um, related to what I'm saying now. I am so not a networking junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I belong to communities. That is the difference. Okay. okay? The communities I belong to offer fabulous uh, opportunities for people to meet and connect. And that's what I do when i am doing networking networking is when you're going into a group and you go okay i've got 60 seconds to say my thing and i'm going to spend the rest of the hour listening to other people doing their 60 seconds that's not for me that's so draining
0: okay Okay. so yeah that that's not having a net that works for you um we call that speed dating
1: so
0: yeah yeah. so so that's not my definition of networking and you're right the language trips
1: us up It Um, does trip us up sometimes Here's, here's uh, what I'm getting a lot from people is, it's not so much questions that I can say, oh, I get this question, that question, or, or this question. The, what I'm getting from people is an outpouring of emotions because they're struggling in their business. Mm. And the biggest question is, how can I get help? How can I find somebody who can help me and lead me and guide me? What do I need to do next? You know, so
0: what do but, I need to do next is a really powerful question.
1: Yeah. And, and what I do is, because I really believe in giving strategy advice. Okay. So a strategy session for me is, I don't really talk about tactics very much. You know, that comes in the, uh, the separation here. And it's how, do you, how are you looking at your own business? how are you actually positioning it and what i i I like this concept um, of um, i want you to have a brick house built on rock not a straw house built on sand and most people i speak to have a straw house on sand and what that means is somebody comes to you and say hey can you help me with this and you go yes i can and then somebody else goes "Uh, i have this problem and you go oh i can help with that let me go tell that person i can help you know, So whatever way the wind blows, you blow with them. But what you need to have is you need to say, this is what I do. Here is the challenges that I solve. Here are the solutions I provide. And this is it. And then when people come to you, they'll go either, wow, that's exactly what I need, or no, that's not what I need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what, what will happen is that it will maybe take a little bit of time, but when you go out and do networking, when you're in communities, because there's much more about the community. It's going to events and participating. Then when you tell people what you do, you will find more and more people who go, wow, that's what I need. And when you have your message dialed in, when you're 100% clear on what challenge you solve, mm-hmm. people then connect with you. And then you're building up a tribe of people who want to have that problem solved. When you are chasing opportunity, you can't do it effectively. So this weekend, I spoke to a lady who has three different target markets. And she has three different ways of speaking to her target market. And she goes out and tries to do all of them. And because she splits her attention between the three of them, she's not successful in any of them, Mm -hmm. right? Yet one of those markets will not generate a lot of cash for her immediately. That's much more long-term. Another one will generate a lot more cash right now. So my answer was, go for the one that produces a lot of cash right now because it's a really good target market you can build up a really successful business and then you can go and help the other one Mm. but only do it when you're successful don't give it up just park it
0: you know yeah sometimes it really does just take uh, someone else's eyes someone else's eyes and oh and speaking of that it helps to know where you're going so roadmaps are essential and that is um, something we're going to talk about in just a minute. The idea that the main question is, what do I do next? It really is not. It's, it's, they're looking for the tactic, but you can't answer the question if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. You know, um, like, What is it they say? If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. The challenge is that you can get really scattered. Yeah, and that's what happened for me for a while, is I thought I was dialed in, but it was a challenge to articulate exactly what the benefit was, because my one-on-one work was all in a transformative you know, resolution of negative emotional history, and yet my group work was all in service to you know, the, the business side and, and helping people wrap businesses around what they're good at. and. I couldn't figure out how to hook it all together until just in the last year. So the strategy is really important. It wasn't about letting go of any of the things I do. It was simply about getting them into a system where people could figure out where they fit in the journey. You know, where did they where, what feeder road were they going to use to get onto my highway? And so this powerful conversation. Now, You've done a great service for everybody and we're gonna have links in the chats and in the show notes for people who are looking for a roadmap to get started. And so we have that for them, Steve, which is very generous and I appreciate it a great deal. If what people really need is the, the what we used to call a trip tick, you know, they they need the map that lays out, this is your destination right? <laughs> and this is where you're starting, right? Yeah. Now you can take the scenic route, you know, or you can take the expressway and they're going to be two different strategies.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: What, one, one thing I would like to, to bring to your attention is that there's a great lesson to be had from racing drivers.
0: From they racing be, drivers.
1: Racing That's drivers. Right. Racing drivers are amazing. They drive these cars sometimes up to like 150, 200 miles per hour, you know, very, very fast on some of these roads. And what do they do? They do not look at the bend in front of them. They look at the point beyond the bend or where they want to be. Because if they focus on the bend, they'll drive into it. And they'll end up in the bend, in the fence around the bend. They need to look at where they want to be beyond the bend. Because they 're priming the whole body their whole mind on how they're getting through that bend out on the other side so they can continue the, to racing to, to do the driving. If you focus on the problems in front of you you 'll get stuck by them you need to focus on where you want to be after the problem because when you know where you want to be after the problem, you have a much better chance of solving them
0: Well there we go all right so. There's a link in the chat for everyone. It'll be in the show notes if you're listening to this or watching it. The vision of looking beyond what's right in front of you, looking beyond what's coming next to where you want to end up. And that's a great place, I think, Steve, to put a button on this for everyone. If you know that where you want to end up is Over the horizon, then it's time to look at what's the vehicle you're going to use and who do you need on your team to support you? Because I don't do anything alone anymore. That's really critical. So who do you need to support you? And whether you're an entrepreneur and this whole journey is all about your business or whether you are here because you're looking for some strategies for how do you support someone who you care about? Or maybe it's even you. This last piece about looking beyond what's right in front of you to where you want to end up is a really good place to spend a few minutes and relax into that and enjoy the journey. Ah, Steve, always a pleasure to be with Mm -hmm. you and to spend time with you. And I cannot thank you enough for coming onto the show.
1: It is my pleasure to, uh, to be here, to talk to you all and to support you, Jackie, absolutely. You're doing such a valuable thing here. I really believe in your mission.